All right, welcome back here to J. Tom Lawler Rink on the campus of Merrimack College. The score at the end of one is Main 1, Merrimack nothing. I'm Mike Mackin with John Leahy. This first intermission is brought to you by Fuddruckers, an official partner of Merrimack Athletics. Make sure you stop in at Fuddruckers for a burger or delicious salad before or after the next Warrior game. Located just down the street from Merrimack at 550 Turnpike Street. They also have locations in Reading and Salem, New Hampshire. Hockey's Commissioner Joe Bertani joins us here in the first intermission. Uh, pretty good pace to that first period. Uh, 35 total shots on goal. Uh, only the one goal. Both both hitters playing well. You know, it's funny you think when you get near the end of the season with so much on the line that you don't give up that many shots. You know, it's tighter, almost playoff hockey, but that wasn't. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, because we were just talking about it there before the break. Uh, I remember a game that was a little less, I think, than 20 years ago, maybe almost exactly 20 years ago. Merrimack was up at UNH when both teams had some pretty good offensive players. Jason Krog for UNH. I think Derek Becker might have been there. Merrimack had uh, Chris Porter, Reggie Strongjay. Final score ended up 7-6, a regulation game. I think Krog and Porter each had hat-tricks for their respective teams, and the uh, the, the final shot total was 51-50, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure I've ever seen a game other than that between two teams with 100 total shots in regulation. Uh, can you think of one? No, and, and, and especially we're not used to uh, high-scoring games these days. I, I joke when I played there were some high-scoring games. I was playing goal, but you know I look back at it. I was doing some research for a uh, newsletter we just did. So 40 years ago, uh, 1977, the All-American goal was a guy named Brian Shields from Clarkson, a two-time All-American. And his goals against the average was 3.61. And you look at the guys now, you know, we do these monthly and weekly honorees, and you look at the nominees in a given week, and they're all 1.5, 1.6, 95% save percentage, and they're all, like tonight, they're all huge. And But it's not just that. And the teams are so well coached. The defense, that's why I think it's surprising to see that many shots in a, a late-season game. Because usually they block so many shots, they take away opportunities, they break down video, they know everybody else's tendencies. And so, you know, we had a triple overtime game, if you remember, last year in our semifinals. And I thought that game might still be going because uh, Lowell and Providence were so well coached. It wasn't the referees put the whistles away. They didn't have to. Nobody was taking penalties. Nobody was making mistakes. And you had good goaltenders. So that's what I expect to see this time of year. Well, four games left uh, starting tonight for most teams in the league. Lowell and uh, UMass just three left. They'll play tomorrow night. But uh, we get down to, you know, people, teams are jockeying for, for position in the standings. Everybody's trying to figure out where, where, can, they, where can they end up, where can they finish. Uh, what's it like at, uh, at the league office, I guess, you know, administrative level? As you know, I've been doing this a long time. I mean, uh, 35 years at, at the conference level, played the game and so forth. I like to think I know a little bit of something, but... You, you can't make sense of it. You, know, you look at the game tonight, UNH and BU, you figure, well, BU's stung from the bean pot. They have all that young talent. Uh, I would have put a check you know, mark next to their name, but it's 4-2 now, I guess, UNH. Not the score you guys, I guess, wanted to, to, to see. We, Brian Smith does all these playoff things and all the possibilities. And, you know, you get Vermont that could, with, with two weekends left, they could be first or all the way down to 10th. I'm not sure I've ever seen that wild a swing. And I'm also watching the out-of-town scores for the women because we start our tournament uh, next week. And, uh, you know, Merrimack just in second year is trying to get into the playoffs and lost a somewhat painful game last week where they had a 3 nothing lead against the Bob Draney in Providence and lost in overtime. So they still have a shot, uh, but they're up in Vermont who's fighting for home ice, so it's not going to be easy for them. But I love this time of year. I know you're the same way. Uh, scoreboard watching and doing the math and trying to figure out where, where it's going to be. From a league point of view, I'm trying to decide where I'm going to assign people to. to 
to uh, be site directors of different series. My son goes to UVM, so I'm trying to finagle a way to get up there on Hockey East time, but I don't know if that'll happen. And I also have the responsibility of presenting the first place trophy when someone wins the championship, so it could actually happen as early as tomorrow night. Uh, in fact, looking at the scores now, if BC sweeps and BU and Notre Dame both lose, then it would happen tomorrow night. Uh, if those things don't happen, then the next opportunity would be the BC, I think, plays Lowell on a Thursday next week before all the women's stuff starts. So it's busy, but it's the greatest time of the year. I, I love it. Well, let me ask you about a couple of things. Uh, Fenway, obviously, a frozen Fenway seemed like it was a, a good success. Wasn't able to get there. I think Merrimack had games both those days. But uh, at any rate, it seems like it continues to be successful. And if that was, what, the, the fourth uh, iteration of frozen yeah. Fenway, it sounds like uh, successful enough that, that we can expect it to continue? Yeah, I think so. I, in fact, I just did a report today on the four of them. We just got our, all the bills paid and so forth. So we've sold just shy of 200,000 tickets in the four uh, events. And, and the league has made about $700,000 net, which you know, given the size of our budget, it's significant to have a little bit of a bump each year because we're at the mercy of the tournament. So knowing you've got special events that can be a cushion, whether it's the Frozen Four one year or the, or the Frozen Fenway, um, for the players, they love playing in it. Um, I always joke with Jim Conley and others who, who, who are not as enamored of it. Um, but, you know, the Red Sox want to do it. They know that, the, that the, the tickets have probably gone down each year in terms of selling it out in Ari to struggling to get to that fifteen or 20000 It's still pretty good. Which is still good. It's still the biggest crowd that most of those guys will play in front of all year. But, but it's done in the context of, of having no control over the weather, and we had one bad weekend and then one that was, was fine. Um, I'm probably more of an advocate for putting it off an extra year, not doing it every two, but maybe three or four. And I think the coaches make some good cases, too, that... They, they, they'd like to play in it, but they prefer not to play league games. Number one, somebody has to give up a home game, and it's tough. Like Providence this year gave up a home game at Boston College. Um, they also are at the mercy of the, the bumps in the ice and this and that. So one of the things I think we might look seriously at is either schools uh, scheduling a third game, so NCAA game, but not a league game. I think Merrimack and Providence did that. And then the other option, which I'm less enamored of, but you could bring in uh, North Dakota or Minnesota and have some sort of east-west. But not that I'm not anything against those programs. I think some of them, like North Dakota, they travel well, they sell tickets. I just have a little bit of a problem taking away an opportunity for one of our schools to be in there and, there and our athletes experiencing it. And that seems one of the, and we were talking with Dan Hannigan from Maine Radio before the game, and uh, you know, obviously you know, the teams being so close together, I think every, everybody has really a, a, a bit of a more you know, kind of an affinity for each other's programs and things like that. And, you know, and he made the great point, which is that, hey, in this league, you've got a situation where, you know, you come to play in this league, you got a good chance you're going to get to play at Fenway Park. Right. You, you may get to go overseas and play in Northern Ireland. I mean, these are these are good things for the league as a whole. Yeah, you know, and the other thing I was thinking of, the WCHA used to take a senior all-star team over to Europe. Bruce McLeod was the commissioner then, and Jeff Sauer, who just passed away. Jeff was retired as a coach, but kind of did special projects with WCHA. They would take seniors maybe in late August, early September. And they did it once every four years so that every class had that chance to do it. And I was just in Budapest last week speaking at a, at a coach's clinic. In fact, a young man came to me at the end of the clinic and said, I've just been accepted to Merrimack College. I'm a hockey player here. I've spoken to Coach Denny. I don't know if he's a Division One player or not, but 
Um, but it occurred to me, you see these cities, I've now been to go to Belfast four times, and I've been there now, I've never been to Budapest before. These are, if we can create opportunities like that, not just for the recruiting value, hey, you come here once every four years, but just actually for the kids just to experience it. Right. I know they all want to be pros, and maybe it'd be a nice, it'd be a nice perk too for the kid that stays four years yeah. and doesn't leave to sign his contract after sophomore or junior year. Honor the guys that come here, uh, meet their commitment, and they're going to play four years of college hockey, and you know, it'll be a fight to see who goes because every team would only have so many spots. But uh, um, I, I'm, I'm actually psyched to call Bruce next week and find out what the logistics and how they did it in so many years, why they stopped, and see if it's something we can do. Uh, before we let you go, uh, just quickly, Notre Dame leaves the league. Uh, you know, what would have to happen, I guess, you know, for, for there to be a 12 team that might be uh, accepted into the league and. and, and I mean, how close, if, if at all, would you be to that at this time? We're not close at all. I mean, we've had some conversation with one school, but it was more of a logistics thing, not a qualitative, you know, don't want them or whatever. You've got to be able to have a, we have a standards document that shows how big your rink has to be and your staff and scholarships, all this stuff. And as much as, you know, I just finished doing the 18 19 schedule and some in the neck of 11 uh, schools, because you get all these bye weekends or weekends where some people play one, some play two. So my life would be a lot easier with 12, but we're not going to set the number and go after the number. We've never actually initiated like rating a school from a league. Every time we've expanded, the school has come to us, and there isn't a lot of activity going on right now. So I think we're going to be 11 for, for a while. Um, heard different things about how the league schedule might change. Can you tell us anything about that as well as the, the league tournament? Yeah, the tournament will probably go back to what we did before when we had 11 last time, but the... Uh, Make sure I get it right. The bottom six, I think, yes. produce three winners. The odd thing about that is you finish fifth, you don't yeah. host, right? Yeah. You, you host if you're one, two, three, four, six, seven, or eight, but not fifth. Exactly. And then the, as far as the schedule, the coaches voted to add four games. So instead of just dropping 22 to 20, because the burden of 14 league ga- non-league games is going to be tough for some schools. So Tim Danahy uh, helped us come up with a, a formula. Uh, to give random four opponents two home, two away, so the 24-game schedule. Not that random. He took the previous year's standings, so made sure you didn't get the top four or the bottom four. But as you know, teams can change in strength one year from the other. It's a two-year cycle, so there could be a much better program two years later than the standings that we worked off of. But it'll be a 24-game schedule, and it'll be an unbalanced schedule. All right, Joe, thanks as always uh, for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed your trip to Hungary, and uh, yeah. hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, uh, just a couple of good puns from your uh, that's, partner here. Yeah, that's I know it. The postseason coming up. Enjoy it. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Joe Bertani, the commissioner of the Hockey East Association. Uh, we ran a little late here. Got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more after this. This is Warrior Hockey.